And the sound of that slightly eerie music tells us it's time for the Conditional Release Program's Deeper Dive. And today we are looking at a post-lockdown future in Australia. The when, the how and the what. That is, the what threats lie ahead for the life of what we might call a COVID-19 normal. New normal. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> the the line on normalcy is changing all the time. The old normal wasn't perfect. Let's not forget that. Yeah, yeah, it's another point to make, I suppose. Look, our vaccine rollout has been a shambles. I don't think anyone would argue about that. Supply of Pfizer continues to be a problem around the country. Moderna is now in Australia, propping up the rollout. It's available at my local chemist, I just discovered. I've been fully vaxxed for three months now with the magical AstraZeneca, but the rollout of the Oxford vaccine has been pockmarked by poor messaging. Not, I would say, by the regulatory authority, ATAGI, whose job it is to provide advice to governments and consumers alike, but by dreadful politicians and one or two media doctors. <laughs> and let's just put the... Uh, let's just put the... <laughs> You know, those those air exclamation marks uh, up there. I'm not starting a fight with Norman Swan again. Nah. And, look, yeah, those media, well, unnamed media doctors yeah, uh, whose unfortunate unnamed. use of hyperbole has scared <laughs> off a lot of people from Gee, getting their jab. And for no good reason. Been none worse, <laughs> by the way, than the Queensland Chief Health Officer, Jeanette Young. Yeah. Frankly, I wouldn't let. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't let her get me an aspirin off the shelf. But uh, that's that's perhaps a, 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 a harangue for another time. Uh, see, all these factors and a few more have contributed to a delay in the vaccine rollout, which I estimate around about two months. That's probably what all it is. Where, where we are now, we should have been in the first weeks of August, let's say, perhaps even earlier, if the federal government went down the Pfizer for all route as proposed by, by the big pharma company back in July 2020. Mm-hmm. And for most of those two months, New South Wales and Victoria have been in lockdown with its economic constraints, emotional and psychological burdens yeah. that, that arguably we, should, we would not have had to endure, or at least not as extensively as it has become. Melbourne is the most lockdown city in the world. That's a tragic stat. Now at mm. 240 days, I believe, and counting. It's difficult not to point at the vaccine rollout as one of the major causes of that unfortunate statistic. Yeah. Now, other problems have surfaced in Victoria and elsewhere in the country. Being painfully objective, we should cut our governments a little slack. A little. Public administration during a pandemic is hard. You know? <laughs> it's hard. And mistakes yes. will always be made. Yeah. Uh, Modelling created by health bureaucrats has rarely been right. Some of it completely mad when looked at in the rearview mirror, but public health officials and public administrators have had to use it because they have nothing else. You know, you, I mean, what, what are they going to go by? On their gut? I mean, let's just do this. I think we go, we go this way. That's what they um, do, really. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, they've had sort of, sort of modelling that's rarely been right, and, and really there's nothing yeah, else. Ec- economists are professional guessers. They look at a graph and they put a ruler on it. They go, that. And if they're wrong, yeah. they say, yeah. oh, the metrics. And if they're right, they say, I'm a genius. Yeah. It's, but for, if you wanted to... If you wanted a sort of metaphor for what it's like to be in public administration, I mean, you've got modelling in your hand that you have no confidence in. <laughs> and then every step you're taking is like on virgin territory. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, where, where we've never been before. Yeah, when I was doing political economy, it was like we were training to write reports politicians would never read, but just say, I have a report, and then they do whatever they want anyway. Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's been a bit of that going on too. Absolutely. Look, one example of this that's it, it, worth mentioning, mentioning is the Andrews government in Victoria funded and started increasing ICU beds, ICU beds, I should say, up from just a few hundred before the pandemic to 2,000 now. And under the $1.3 billion funding exercise, Victoria will ultimately, within months actually, have 4,000 ICU beds. The decision to do this was made back in April 2020 based on a perceived need on pandemic modelling when there were no vaccines. Yeah. You know, the landscape has changed so much since that time. But the problem is now, they almost certainly won't need that many ICU beds going forward and and won't be able to staff them properly even if they did. You know, yeah. that's that's the big thing. You need people to staff these things. We don't have yeah. any migrants. That, that's, There's that's no the migrant grave. nurses. When we talk about pressure on the health system, that's that's the grave concern, that people with the requisite skills in ICU, frontline healthcare workers, basically they will have times when they become in, in, infectious or in, infected with COVID and are infectious. So there will be a number of them that have to take what health bureaucrats call furloughs. Yeah. And, and go and have a lie down on the couch. God, love them. Like, you know, catch up and on some sleep. And they get tired. You know, some of them get rashes from the PPE. Like, it's just... Can you imagine in working under those yeah. under the circumstance they're in right now? It's too much. It's too much. But the point is that, you know, a number of them, you know, they'll all be vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly hope so, and, uh, and and they will get COVID, and and then they're going to have to go and have two weeks isolation, um, you know, which would be a nice two weeks off, probably. Oh, God, love them! You know, that's that second week. You'd like to think it'd just be a ripper for them, you know, yeah. um, and 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 catching up on some sleep and all that sort of stuff. The problem for the rest of us is that there won't be people with the requisite skills to cover what is expected to be a, a, a rather large intake of people with COVID in, yes. a, in a hospital system. Some people so, who may have brought it upon themselves, but let's get to that later. So it's not so much ICU beds, certainly not Victoria. <laughs> They've got enough ICU beds. <laughs> we can all go and have a lie down on them. Open up a hotel in the hospital. Just hang out, mate. But it's it. really about skilled staff. Yeah. Look, just that example with Melbourne's or Victoria's ICU beds, highlights the fact that governments aren't flexible, at least in big spending. You know, they've got the turning circle of a Mack truck. So <laughs> governments, it's not like, not like other institutions, like small businesses and even households who can be flexible yeah. and can change and so forth. Yeah. Governments really can't. And and in in sort of unknown, uh, the great unknown of, of pandemic management, you know, they're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, you can see this in Utopia. They, you know, they, they really just can't do anything without three subcommittees telling them no. <laughs> exactly right. So you, you better believe there'd be plenty of mistakes. But for the most part, we're sound intentions. You know, suffice mm. to say, no one government yeah. anywhere in the world has got pandemic management right. And if yeah. they have, you point it out to me. You show yeah. me and I'll, and I'll show you where they've failed. On Tanzania, occasions. no COVID. Tanzania, Ooh, zero yeah. COVID. Not looking good there. <laughs> Not looking good there. Uh, Ask Magafuli, oh, you can't, he's dead. <laughs> no, you can't, you can't speak to him because he died of COVID. And they've got a <laughs> vaccination rate of... Point zero two eight. But they've got no COVID, so how did he die? Anyway, never, don't, well, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't predict good things are going to happen to Tanzania very soon. No. You know, what we have learned in the last 20 months, un- 20 months, unsurprisingly, is pandemic management is quite hard to do. It is. Now, slow vaccine rollout is coming to a critical moment. When the country reaches, reaches high levels of vaccination, perhaps 
two months later than it should have been, as we said before. But yeah. maybe that gives us a chance to see where other countries haven't got it right, and where they have, you know, where they've got it right, or where, and where they've got it wrong. And when yep. it comes, uh, so that we can basically um, use some examples when it comes. Time to open up our communities and our economies again. And we are, we're going to take you through the experience of some of those countries in today's deeper dive, job. Yeah, well, I mean, look, as the vaccine rollout gained momentum in the USA, in Europe, and in the UK, the ability to reopen became this reality, you know, from this dark shroud of COVID sadness, there is light. There's freedom days. Freedom! Now, we're not going to talk about the USA because the USA is a basque case of death fetishists and vicious libertarians. <laughs> They've seen states opening up from fucking like day dot. Florida being like, if you close a shop, we'll kill you. Like, it's just fucking insane. Don't look at the United States. That's the lesson. Yeah. Ignore everything that's going on in the United States yeah. at the moment. Uh, like, do, do not do as they have done. They make no sense. But in the UK, more of mm. a closer relative, yes. they, you know, they took a more guarded approach. <laughs> they had a huge fucking lockdown, to be fair. But on yeah. July 19th, dubbed Freedom Day, England opened back up, which is yeah, something no, we're fair, looking at doing. Fair to say, they were, <laughs> while England has sort of been sneering at us, <laughs> along, with the, uh, along with the Yanks, you know, about <laughs> about our police states and what have you, oh, they it. were locked down for 12 of the last 19 months. That's right. And they died. Like, they were locked Ooh, down yeah, and they yeah, were also no. dying. I mean, come on, fuck off. So... The thing is that you can argue that, like, you know, it's it's the whim of a conservative government that's keen to kickstart the economy at all costs, including human ones. But in reality, it is on the back of a high vaccination rate. You know, they hit yeah. 87 first dose, 68 second dose, and they decided to let rip, which is incredibly similar to what we're doing in the next few months. Yeah. So we see the rest of the world, as we said, as a bit of a glance in the future. We did that sort of thing. We hung back with COVID zero. We got our vaccination rolling off a little bit later. But now we can see what happens. What happens when you reopen the economy at 87%? What about 90% first dose, second dose, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we're in a very lucky position where we can watch countries make these horrific mistakes that inevitably kill people, then casually implement these policies and just sort of Bradbury ourselves into a COVID win. (laughs) Winners, yes. I think think it's going to end up that way. Um, But one thing uh, thing the UK did do was have a Freedom Day, which was just like, and and look, the Poms do not need encouragement to get on the pierce, do they? (laughs) To gather in number and just get on the pierce and just swap spit and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, they love chlamydia. So... But I have noticed in uh, Australian media recently, we are now with uh, more detail coming from the Berejiklian government in New South Wales, we are now talking about Freedom Day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking and forward so to it. And so going to be, it's going to, people, it's going to get very messy. Oh, um, yeah. We, we are going to go out, we're going to get weird. Now, one, one thing that, uh, that seems to predominate a lot of the policy that's going on, and obviously there are differences in New South Wales and Victoria, God, Big Queensland, Jesus Christ! I should come with a warning label up there. May contain nuts. Does contain nuts. Anyway, we get in uh, trouble for that. I can't remember his name on Twitter, but he's going to kick our asses. We love him. <laughs> we, well, we love Queenslanders. Um, <laughs> Just not all of them. Nah, not all of them. Anyway, um, look, the Doherty Institute modelling report basically, and a lot of the state health uh, modelling is sort of indicating that a hospitalisation rate of one in 10 of the unvaxxed. So if you've got 6 million odd people here, those 16 plus uh, 90% vaxxed, that leaves you with around about 450,000 people who are unvaxxed in that age group, in that broad age group. And one in 10 getting COVID will end up in hospital. Now, I don't... Look, I... (laughs) 
I'm not a modeler, but but none of the experiences overseas would indicate that that's the case. So it yeah. seems to be done with you know an enormous amount of caution. Both uh, Andrews and Berejiklian have been talking about this one in ten case, and I guess that's the horror show for them yeah. because that's when you do get your your hospital systems uh, really just overworked. Your your your, your frontline healthcare workers overworked. It would seem from uh, cases overseas. We've just talked about the UK. I've looked at instances in Iceland, which is a very small nation, of course, population wise. Uh, Israel as well, Singapore. You know, countries that have sort of opened up. They don't really have that one in 10. What they do have is sort of different um, sorts of uh, experiences. The UK opened up, got on the, got on the piss, and, <laughs> and, uh, and their COVID cases went down. Maybe it's just because they're all just nursing terrible hangovers and just thought, oh, Jesus, I haven't felt as crook as this on the piss for a, a long time. Yeah, I've got a bit of a cough. I don't know where that came from, but it's maybe just a hangover. So they didn't go to hospital, but they, but there were their cases went down. They go they're going back up again now, but again with the the experiences, the cases rise, but the vaccinated do not, uh, for the most part, end up in hospital, uh, and they certainly don't end up uh, dead. And that's that's the experience that's consistent across uh, the world where there are high rates of vaccination. Yeah, in New South Wales. We get to 90, and that's predicted to occur on 1 December, and then the unvaxxed come in from the cold. And I I just wonder about that because where's the incentive for those vaccine hesitant to go and get vaccinated? You know, now that we've reached these sort of high rates or high levels of of single single jabs, you know, if we want to get beyond that 90, maybe maybe, uh, the incentive just isn't there. That incentive's been taken away by telling people that, well, by December 1, and we're just going to go for it. Don't worry. You'll be able to scream Magna Carta at the bartender all you fucking like. <laughs> and there are still some problems. This is across the nation, by the way, but really seen in New South Wales where there are, you know, gloriously high levels of vaccination. But in that 60 to 69 age group, vax rates are um, relatively quite small. So that's oh. where that's where the sort of failures are. That's where you sort of, no, oh, it's my body, my rules, you know. Well, they don't even know how to use the internet. So what's their fucking Excuse. Uh, well, of course they do, but they just use it badly. Yes, you know? yes, that's it. And they've just, you know, the, their kids have told them how to use Facebook, and, and that's been the fucking end of them. Yeah. Um, yep. yep. So. Uh, the idea, and you'll talk about it a bit later, of vax passports has been really amusing too because uh, the, the Commissioner of New South Wales Police, Mick Fuller, said, well, we're certainly not going to be going into pubs, clubs and restaurants and checking people's vaccination status. <laughs> <laughs> and today, the New South Wales Health Minister said, yes, you fucking are, because it's yes. your job. That's right. So that's going, to be, that's going to be a bit interesting. But overall, it seems... That the you know the sort of uh, kerfuffle about the vaccine passports is not really going to be a thing in New South Wales, well, I mean, and maybe yeah. that's be, you know for, I guess for the for the obviously sound reason that most people are going to be vaccinated. Well, but are we yeah. are we just being a little bit too presumptuous about that last so four or five percent? based on the single-dose figures that we've got, are we just being a bit presumptuous there? Because uh, uh, elsewhere in other states, or well, Dan's saying, look, no, you're not getting anything special if you're not vaccinated in Victoria. And uh, and Palaszczuk, Jesus Christ almighty, I don't know what's going on in that brain. Um, but <laughs> but uh, she's just saying, oh, well, you know, even if you get 80%, you're not coming to Queensland. Yeah. She basically said during the week, you know, that she wasn't interested in international tourism. And you go, <laughs> Listen, that's just bad. Just, that's just yeah. bad. 
bad. Have you heard <laughs> yeah. of a place called Cairns? Your state would be a fucking corrugated iron lean-to without uh, without uh, without the sort of foreign capital that's come from international tourism that basically yeah, keeps your economy alive. So yeah, I don't know what's ridiculous. going on there. Some pretty yeah, there's, there's a bit of fucking madness there. Yes, but the big question is, Joel, what's going to happen to the anti-vax, anti-lockdown world? I mean, what's going to happen to a movement that is either done and dusted, anti-vaxxers, on the numbers, or the anti-lockdowners who are protesting something that no longer exists. I mean, what's, tell us what's happening overseas there, Joel. Give us well, some I mean, insight. If you're looking at the same sort of logic that we have a crystal ball into the future, looking overseas and seeing what they're up to, we can look at the UK anti-lockdown movement because it Messy. is disturbingly similar mm. to ours. They make money from donations and merch sales. So they've got a few flashy organisations like Stand Up X, Stop New Normal and Save Our Rights UK, just run by wingnuts. And they've also got a bunch of weird content makers around them who, like, they have their own, like, wild Thanos type named Aaron Walton. I just ran into him today. He runs a tattoo shop. He screams into this cheap smartphone (laughs) with a really bad microphone. It just sounds like shit. He's just this angry, weird, insufferable child, which is just like Thanos. I mean, let's face it. You know, he's he's one fucking beer away from smashing a TV. Thanos, by the way, is knocking out a few supplements on his webpage. Well, he's not knocking them out himself, but he's linking to companies that are. Finally. He's getting desperate, and he's still trying to sell his speakers for $400 that look like they're worth about 20 bucks. I like that. It's out of the back of a white white van. Oh, mate, we just had some excess, mate. I just took this in the boss. Don't worry about it, mate. They're, they're real good. They're real good. <laughs> they're real good, mate. So they use the same catchphrases like hold the line and shit like that. They've got mm. the same sketchy freedom around the imagery, which is apparently, you know, came from those Soviets in Germany on Telegram. It's almost like these people are reading from a script. They really are. They bring flares to rallies. Like mm. in Melbourne, they bring flares. Like what's with flares? Like it's just weird. They well, attack cops. Long, like history of, long history of soccer hooliganism in, in the UK. Yeah, actually, you no, know, the, the Brits do have a better extent you're right you're right you're very right and they also serve those weird subset type cease and desist letters on people that are just doing their jobs in the face oh, of a fucking please. pandemic we even saw in ireland this italian subset and anti-vaxxer taking that old codger out of the hospital filling his head with this shit about how the hospital was trying to kill him while health workers begged him to stay he died he oh, died and look this is what we have to look forward to we have to look forward to people busting people out of hospital COVID infected to die at home while we all sit and wonder how we got here. You know, it's fucked up. Yeah, but I mean, we have to accept, and I certainly do, that the driving force behind anti-lockdowns is the alt-right movement, and both here and overseas. Yeah, yeah. So they're not going to stop, are they? I mean, this is a golden time for them. You know, yeah. this is this is uh, this is when they can grift away, uh, build their numbers, build their numbers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, it, it just means that the movement itself is going to. Change, changing oh, yeah. character. Putting this uh, genie back in the bottle is very, very difficult. Yeah. You know, despite the fact that the anti-lockdown and anti-vax movement are on borrowed time in this sort of sense, like you say, this alt-right kind of movement, bolstering their numbers, getting their mailing list up, you know, just doing general political organising, they are going from, you know, the extreme fringe to the kind of fringe, which is a terrifying thing because we need them not to exist. Even yeah. so, the Police Federation in the UK was saying three quarters of protests were about lockdowns and one quarter were about, you know, sort of COVID conspiracies, anti-vax and stuff like that. So they're kind of left with the one quarter because the lockdowns are gone. The one thing is they do have this idea of a plan B, which is that vaccine passports and things like that do come back into the fray. But as it stands, the UK has have no to vaccine passports. Mandatory vaccinations are very limited. And realistically, they're sort of just protesting for the sake of it at this point. But when you have no lockdowns, there go the kids from the western suburbs with nothing to do. There go those weird fuckers who want to fight. 
there go the tradies because the lockdowns are over. You're just left with the hardened conspiracy theorists. Mm. There's no sort of weird thing you can co-opt. The nurses aren't going to be there. The tradies aren't going to be there. It's just you, and you're not really a thing. So while numbers will dwindle in the face of these lessened restrictions and undeniable results from a vaccination drive that simply isn't killing anyone, like where are these dead people? It's ridiculous. There's proof everywhere. It's just, it doesn't work. You still have these rusted on delusional types who think the vaccine is going to kill everyone soon. You know, any day now, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, in the next couple of years, like it's this thing. But of course, they just need the excuse to be angry and paranoid. And the lockdown was a fantastic one. But now that's kind of gone. So you got Going vaccine here. mandates yeah. now, which is a good one. You know, that's not cool. Freedom, you know, we should have a bit of a choice. Freedom. But over there, it's not so much of a thing. They're really quite concerned about that. So now it's about the kids. Ah, They love the kids. It's always kids. about the kids. They actually don't, you know. No, no, most, no they don't. Most they, of them are terrible parents. They use them as shields at rallies. It's <laughs> absolute shocker. They're the fucking yeah. worst. So as vaccination va- drives ramp up at schools around uh, across England, anti-vaxxers are going to actual high schools, including their creepy 70-something-year-old anti-vax leader-type Piers Corbin, who's oh just... Oh, my God, he's awful. He just looks weird i don't trust him on face value and hassling kids with propaganda trying to convince them not to get vaccinated what could possibly go wrong there mm. they are giving out fake consent forms to take home with bullshit adverse reaction lists the, like they have nhs logos and they appear official with parents calling into school saying why is my child got this and it's fucking anti-vaxxers they're hanging out outside of schools like a bunch of skeevy perverts and giving it to them and it's like it look it's the children nothing riles up the punters like the children. And that's the next frontier in, in the anti-vax movement over there. And I would yeah. say probably over here as well as we ro- lower the age of vaccination. Yeah, I, I, I certainly would think so. I mean, there's that emotional pull of it. But you, you'll find the children when we're getting in, the into this, the, the you know, this this age group of 12 plus now getting vaccinated, which is just, just commenced in the UK and, and, and also commenced here. What you find is the children themselves, young people, I prefer to call them, are really smart. I mean, most of them yeah, are really smart yeah, yeah. about this. They will not Good be the manipulated. We, if we go back to that disturbing stat in New South Wales and more broadly in Australia about that 60 to 69-year yeah. age group, we're a bit <laughs> reluctant. Let me go back to that statistic of concern in New South Wales more broadly in Australia that that the age group of concern is the 60 to 69-year group. That's the group that's... You know, that has that struggles with objectivity, struggles with science, struggles with rationality. You will not find that same group of uh, well, that's those same sentiments among young people, adolescents. Yeah. You just won't, yeah, as a it. rule. As a yeah. rule, yes, these people will try and use children as sort of armour, but the the children or the adolescents themselves are going to go. Yeah, I'm going to get vaccinated. Why fucking wouldn't I? Yeah. And that's it. And that's the thing. Like, you know, when it comes down to this sort of anti-vax future, we have a couple of things to look forward to so far. We have people stealing their relatives or their friends or their parents or their God knows who out of hospitals to basically die at home while treating with ivermectin or some shit. And then we've got sketchy idiots hanging out at schools trying to peel kids. It's just like, it's just something we just don't need. Like, you know, imagine like some fucking weird fucking boomer punching over this child. I mean, if we're talking about this sort of alt-right group, you know, this sort of remaining alt-right connected group, you know, with their babbling about pedophilia, it's very strange that they want to go and hang around schools. It doesn't check out very nicely at all. It doesn't check out, no. Not a good look, not a good look. Somewhere. 
So the dwindling numbers in the UK, at least, have led to a localization of efforts. And instead of having these sort of big rallies in the central locations, they tend to have smaller rallies in randomized locations. And these smaller rallies are quick to run away after throwing Molotov cocktails and are so prone to violence. They'll go in the town center of some small city and run fucking rampant through the streets causing shit while the cops have, quite like here, used kid gloves on protesters for the most part, running riot for their freedom. Freedom! Some idiot recently, thank Christ, got five years for pushing it a little too far. Apparently he threw missiles at officers, threw a bike into a fire which had engulfed a police van and tried to get into a police vehicle. What? Like, is he Grand Theft Auto? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that apparently got him five years. Honestly, that sounds like fucking last Tuesday. Like, they must be starting to get pretty bored of this inbred anarchy shit because at least someone's getting a fucking custodial sentence. Thank Christ for that. Look, I'd also add that I would think some of the areas of concern or some of the concerns are, and this is not not particularly sort of demographic laden, but it's basically going to be a lot of lone wolves, I would think. A lot of lone wolves, super fired up, super charged with bullshit that they've been reading on the internet and wanting to get even somehow, you know. It's the the same old personality regardless of the ideology, the same old personality of you've got Mm -hmm. these sullen, smouldering personalities in darkened rooms consuming shit on the internet and just becoming completely poisoned and radicalised by it. You've got really cooked people who are looking for external validation for their internal delusion and no better time than now to do that. Mm. If you're the kind of person that's predisposed to this kind of stuff, you have no shortage of reason to do it. Mm. And it's all manufactured by an industry that lives off GoFundMe and let's face it, Magic Noodles because it's not even that much money. Thanos (laughs) doesn't live like a king. Like it's just (laughs) fucking ridiculous. Why are you bothering? Just get a fucking job. Move on. Get a job. Thanos. So annoying. Get a job, man. You so annoying. Lazy son of a Go bitch. Go back to those speakers are not worth four hundred dollars. And you were a okay. seco. You were on decent money. Like, just get your seco license back and start. I don't know. Yeah. Like rejecting guys from nightclubs, whatever the fuck. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to <laughs> we'll get to the, you know the the uh, the return and possible deprogramming before return to uh, uh, the embrace of the community shortly. But yes, uh, when we talk about terrorism, these other forms of it. And, Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, there's, uh, there's paper terrorism, much beloved by our, our friends in the soft sit movement. Absolutely, and we're going to see a massive uptick in that. I was uh, talking to a mate of mine, Pedram, today who was saying that, that Justice Beach Jones was treated to a deluge of anti-vaxxer bullshit in the wake of a few simple directions hearings and mentions for the mandatory vaccination cases before the Supreme Court. And then mm. Justice Hollingworth got over, apparently, 6,500 emails about Monica Smith's bail variation. Like, they have this bizarre idea that, like, you know, like it's like courtrooms are like Australian Idol, like if they hassle people enough or, like, <laughs> You know, they, they, like some sort of change will happen. They're in Telegram today with the fucking hearing saying, we need could, more numbers. We need more numbers. Click on this link. Like, like could, if they get more. They could sway the judge. Maybe if, if, if only they had his mobile number, they could send him. They could send him spam texts. Yeah, pics of their penises. I mean, like for fuck's sake. Like realistically, <laughs> they think that the fact that they have numbers on YouTube somehow leads to change. No, no, no. The law is what they're looking at here. You fucking moron. So- realistically, politically, that can happen. If you send enough letters to an MP, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, you get to a certain point, it gets really suspicious. Not, not in the courts. doesn't work yeah, that way. It doesn't work in the courts. That's not how the law works. So it just shows how fucking clueless these people are. I mean, really. But with smaller numbers and idle hands due to recent unemployment because of the mandatory vaccination, oh, no job, no pay, no way. I'm going to send a letter. These also have a lot of chronically unemployable people who will just 
spend their lives doing nothing. They will resort to sending letters en masse, basically under instruction on Telegram by their fucking thought leaders to anyone they don't like or disagree with that they think is probably a pedophile, of course. I I did see Justice Hollingworth issued a statement saying, can you please, I won't be looking at any of your emails. Oh, no. (laughs) Was there a statement? Yeah, I'm not looking at any of this stuff. I'm not taking your phone calls. It's not the way it works. This is not, you don't, you don't get to, you know, (laughs) you don't get get a result that you're looking for in the courts by, you know, voting someone off the island. You know, it just yeah, doesn't work exactly. that way. Exactly. That's exactly it. No wonder Buckley's having such a fucking picnic on the back of these idiots. I mean, it's disgusting. So the thing that really freaks me out is that once these people discover how to actually properly punish people through litigation, and I mean, it's hard to become a vexatious litigant, but you can. Oh, you yeah. just got to work at it. <laughs> Your Caveats dreams on can property. come true. There's all these sorts of forms of harassment we're going to see with these lawless dipshits with nothing to lose, using the system to harm anyone that, let's yeah. face it, ever said a good word about a vaccine or just disagree with them on the internet. I think it's a real concern. And going from paper terror to the real world, attacks on health workers have started really kicking off with nurses and health staff being Mm. recommended to change into civilian clothes out of their scrubs when they go home. I mean, that's fucking insane. Like, where are we going with this? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and 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 if you talk to enough people, uh, I had the uh, the great fortune of talking to a, a respiratory specialist at, at Concord Hospital a couple of weeks ago, and she told me that you know staff there are being subject to abuse. They're being subject to abuse in emergency departments. They've been subject to abuse by by characters. Now that look, it, it, it's perhaps not even a COVID thing, but it's been accelerated through COVID. Oh God, you know, they've always the, been subject the people, to abuse in some way. People battling. Pa- with illness or injury, uh, or that, that their family members are going to come along and abuse nurses and abuse doctors. Jesus, just, just cut it out. Just don't do it. And, of course, like, what do you do? Do you just throw them all in jail? Like, it's just getting ridiculous. So this is something we have to look forward to. And after we saw, we were just saying in the last episode, where, like, a health facility for people sleeping rough had to be shut down yeah. because they were being assaulted, spat yeah. on. In Melbourne, the Melbourne CBD, yes. It's just insane. So on the lighter side of things, we are getting to a point of a new normal where we're going to start going out. We're going to start breathing freely and doing our thing. And that means rallies, actual rallies. So there's going to be normal rallies again. We're going to be upset about climate change again because it hasn't really gone away. We just haven't been able to collectively talk about it. That's kind of the thing. And the future of rallies on the anti-lockdown side are apparently, if you take the UK for an example, just going to be big old parties. Yeah. And the thing that's really funny is because this makes a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, we've been locked up for a while. you got like-minded people. You'll probably get laid if you go. It's going to be a good time. They play like the fucking, you know, they play fucking John Farnham and Muse tracks. Muse should not be played. (laughs) That's not what they were saying. But this has sparked interesting division in the UK. And I've seen the UK anti-vax movement eating themselves as they've been dying really really hard but this is an interesting part of division where they're saying like these militant types like you don't party in the streets children dying how fucking dare you and the hippies are like dude we've been locked up for a, like a year and they're like fuck you no the children are dying you gotta fight for the children if you don't children. fight for the children, children. Fuck you. And it's like, wow. Okay. So that's where like the sort of the divisive thing. You've if got anyone's the, the gonna abuse if anyone's gonna abuse the children, it's gonna be me. Yeah. Exactly. The gonna be me at fuck, home, this is the you know, the back This of is the tattoo head. artist. But it's funny, like so basically you're really splitting off from the the fair weather types who just really wanted to get out and have some like minded individual chats and you know, yeah. be cool with each other. And then you got the ones who are like, No, 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 this is war and when you make it a party 
we stop being at war and I like war and I want to stay at war. So the ones who want to be at war, they're going to become these lone wolves you talked about because basically they are hell-bent on carrying this rage into some sort of weird next chapter. But then you've got the hippies, bless them. They're just going to go and make some drum circles, maybe roast some eggplant and just hang out and talk about how Bill Gates is bad. You know what? When we open up, I welcome you. Your right to protest and your right to party, mate, the Beastie Boys fought for it. I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah, one of them died. Uh, one of them died doing it. He did. Uh, he did. One of the Beastie Boys dies, did, did die fighting for our right to party. But he fought. One but thing fought. That, we, that, we will, that we will actually look forward to and uh, is uh, a, <laughs> a relinquishment of police powers uh, mm. under the under, uh, uh, emergency circumstances. Yeah, you know. And, I will march if they stuff. don't. Yeah, there, there needs to be. I guess uh, that, that needs to be properly addressed by all state governments uh, who, <clears throat> as we all know, and we just sort of hinted at before with Brad Hazard and Mick Full having a bit of a to-do in public, I mean, basically state governments kowtow to police all the time. Yeah. Uh, and they need to be very, very clear about uh, uh, that these uh, that these laws, these lockdown laws, these public health orders and so forth Temporary. Uh, are gone. And that yep. police powers associated with them will be gone too. Yeah, and uh, and I'm sure the police will enjoy it. Uh, will enjoy their lives uh, being a bit easier as well too. Yeah, so they don't what, like being punching bags. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> they, they don't like being treated as human fucking steeplechasers. And and uh, uh, so, but yes, so we do need to uh, be very very clear about that within our society that these laws were temporary and that they are gone yep. in total. 100%. Yeah, no uh, question. And, and, but you know they're going to they're going to cling on to it. State governments, have, you know, even Gladys has said, "Well, oh, well, no one, no one in the Gladys Berejiklian government has said lockdowns are a thing of the past." Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and yeah. so you know that, and, and certainly not the Andrews government seem to love them. Uh, and and basically, you know, you you may well be looking going forward in New South Wales or in Victoria, God forbid, in Queensland, that, that that they will have regional lockdowns and so forth. That we need statements from our state uh, premiers that that's not going to happen. In fact, to be fair to Dan, he has said basically just that. Yeah. Um, when he issued his Rather, rather lovely words. He says, "No point, no point having an argument with someone who makes up their own facts." Uh, yeah. Referring to the anti-lockdown group. So, um, so he's indicated there'll be no, no further sort of statewide or citywide lockdowns. Yeah. Um, Berejiklian is certainly sort of hinting at that. The other stuff. Oh, you know, we've got a Freedom Day lined up. It's the same thing as the UK with the Plan B. Like basically, they've said we don't have restrictions. We're not doing vaccine passports. But if the NHS shits the bed then we're going to implement these things. And that's the plan B thing. So I get what you're saying, yeah. but fair enough. They need to let this go when it's the when it's in the rear vision of history, we move on. Yeah, absolutely right. And and they will earn the, the endorsement of the people if they do that. If they are and are, if they vacillate, if they, you know, uh, go for these soft measures uh, like lockdowns and other forms of control, again, people will get justly very angry. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Joel, and I thought it was a really good point. The anti-vaxxers, with the exception of sort of the most rusted on, I suppose, uh, are going to see uh, their mates, their, their like-minded mates, dying in numbers. And, yeah, big time. And they're going to need what you called an island to swim to. 
Not yeah, Tasmania. Yeah. Uh, or Rottnest. Uh, with, the, with the quackers. <laughs> it was a metaphor for an about face that will see them look really stupid um, uh, after all the shit they're passed around. But they're going to need an out, aren't they? Oh, big time. I mean, like, they want to come back to Christmas and it's getting a bit tricky. Like, you know, things, things are already getting to that pinch point. And where do they go from here? Well, they've got Novavax. It's untested. It's been underutilized it's not really approved but for some weird reason they've made up on the spot apparently Mm. it's safer to them in their dumbass heads but either way they're gonna have to find something if pfizer comes out with some treatment they'll probably have to oppose it because pfizer made it themselves they back themselves into a corner but they've got to find a way out and i think they will i really do think they will and while we like to have this medical apartheid which involves them whinging and wearing yellow stars and us calling them fucking morons end of the day we're all people and we do hope these idiots don't die on this dumbass hill they've chosen and do just come around. They're like petty criminals. Put a petty yeah, criminal look, away for 10 years and they come back good people. Let's hope they come around yeah, and get some of sort them. of jab or just yeah, live through yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. And we're all sweet. I had a sort of Twitter back and forth with a guy on Friday and um, he, 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 he jumped in after the Oz had linked to one of my articles and he came back at me. Uh, look, I, I wouldn't call him an anti-vaxxer. I'm not entirely sure, but... It, He's sort of certainly at the apex of vaccine hesitancy. He was very, <laughs> very sort of stats driven, but he, he had this sort of bizarre way of looking at them. Uh, and he was, you know, babbling about Israel, babbling about Singapore and so forth. And so every time I just, you know, it was quite a civil um, thing. It was not, I don't get into Twitter uh, angry arguments, although I did just call over Yemeni a convict. Um, uh, uh, well, but you I, know, if but, he doesn't want to be a convict, he well, should throw chopping boards. Hey, that's you who know? you are, champion. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was quite civil. And look, he, he had this great way of manipulating statistics and some guys just making them up. But I'd come back to him with official stats and so forth. And, and finally, I got uh, we got to a point, it was becoming a bit tiresome. And I did say to him, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you this before, before before I block you, which I didn't actually do yeah. because he was quite civil and polite. But I said, you know, on September 5 of this year, 68 people died in the UK of COVID. I said, do you want to know how many of them were unvaccinated? And I said, I mean, all of them, 68 of them. Just and then he came them. back. I mean, he was quite polite and friendly. He said, okay, well, you know, if you're going to block me, and I said, well, you know, I'm not going to block you. But anyway, he came back and said, oh, okay, well, you, you go well. And I said, look, I hope you get vaccinated. You know, for your own sake, I said it won't hurt you, and it'll and it may just save your life. And he said, came back to me and said, oh, "Look, I'm going to wait till 2023 when all the clinical studies are done." And that was his that was his out. Now that's that's a long way. That's away, a mate. long way away. That's a that's a big swim. That's to no a football. very small island. That is a big swim. That is such a big swim. But, oh, but the thing that I found about it, you know, that it was a sort of civil exchange, and I, I dare say, without knowing too much about this guy, that he falls. In into that 60 to 69 year age bracket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but How fast was, did he type? But he also, <laughs> it was a bit of that. And and, and, and you know, he was linking to UAP and all this sort of stuff. But, but, yeah. but, but there was a sense there that I almost was able to persuade him and that he wouldn't need too much more persuasion. Don't, yeah. So don't, I'm not giving myself a lot of credit here. Uh, <laughs> I, don't really I don't even bother, man. But I he don't wasn't engage. really that far away from being persuaded. Yeah. And I think that's what we'll find with, you know, these people who are you know, sort of obsessed about uh, the vaccine going wrong and poisoning us yeah, all and all that, that blah, sort of blah, stuff, blah, that, that they weird, will find an out. 
that they will find it out. They will find it out. I think so. And, like, when it comes down to it, the thing that's probably sucked the most about this is, you know, the friends I've lost along the way. And I have. I've lost a few, and it fucking sucks. And that's the, that's the you know, that's, it's, it's a really sad relic of this. But at the end of the day, we yeah. are just generally hoping that society just gets on with things. People just get vaccinated and people see the warning signs and just swim toward the island, really. Yeah, that, that, even the anti-vaxxers. I mean, the, the, the ones in a year's time who, who come out the other end, uh, uh, we'll call them the survivors, the, the lads who heard immunity. You know, but, but what, what we're at now is, uh, you know, uh, is that sort of, as I've said before, the worst part of a pandemic is is when it comes to an end. You know, yeah. that's that's the bit where you get the massive social dislocations, the big, the big, big unsolvable sort of or intractable sort of uh, divisions within your society and so forth. And let's not forget the big thing that we sort of harp on a bit in our anti-vaxxer update. It's the important. third world or the developing world is probably 10 years away yeah. at current pace. And that's yep. that's maybe even an optimistic prediction. 10 years away yeah. from being fully vaxxed there. Uh, <clears throat> but in New South Wales and, and more broadly in Australia, we're here. Bring it on, I say. And uh, I need a haircut, by the way, Joe. Um, let's appreciate <laughs> things. Fine. Are going to get a very going to get very messy in this country and in the world uh, over the next six months before we come out the other end. <laughs> <laughs>